0: When we think of there's good debt and bad debt, bad debt is the credit cards, the car loans, the high interest stuff that'll keep drowning you throughout your life. The good debt is the mortgages um, on houses, the mortgages on investment properties, things that'll continue to build you Mm -hmm. as well. And so I think there's, use the resource, there's forbearance that can, we didn't have to pay student loans for like three or four years once we graduated. Then we had income-based repayment while we were making a little bit of money before we got into real estate. So there's things, utilize your resources and utilize the tools that you have don't just get into, oh, they told me my payment's $700 a month. Let me just start stroking that check. Hello and welcome to the Color of Money podcast. Today, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Miss Julia Lachey and Uncle Emrick Peace. Good to see you guys. And today, we're go- over the last couple of weeks, we've got a lot of questions and a lot of comments from our listeners regarding budgeting and debt reduction. So today's episode, we're going to talk a lot around that. If we don't have investments or we, we're on this wealth journey, it really starts with debt reduction. And we're going to have that conversation today. So welcome, you guys. Good to see you. Emrick, I, I, I hate this conversation personally because I think budgeting is a bad word. I think like like saving money and budgeting is something that it just, I don't know if it's because I grew up poor my whole life and mom used to always talk about budgets or what it is, but I think it's I think it's a dirty word but what do you guys think
1: I, I think we on our last episode we had we had mark King on and he called it something different he didn't use what did he call it uh, yeah the word budget I can't you remember what he called it Emmerich?
2: I can't you I can't me? but there's
1: another way to phrase it so that people don't feel like because you're you're right Daniel I have a lot of people in my life that say I, I don't want to budget I hate budgeting i'm just gonna I'm just gonna buy what I want to buy when I want to buy it and if I ain't got enough money over that then then it is what it is but uh yeah. there's a different way of looking at budgeting and um and, and even if we can by the end of this episode remember what the alternative word choice is um the concept of course is that you don't spend more money than you have <laughs> and if you have spent more money than you have then you are in debt and how do you reduce it that's the concept of this conversation
0: I think it was a spending plan. I think you said you have a spending plan.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spending plan.
2: Sometimes when you just don't have enough money and you regularly have more month than money, the budget doesn't even matter because at the end of the month, you're still not going to have enough money to do everything anyway. I I believe that's a challenge for a lot of people is that uh, they don't understand that you don't have to have more month than money. We talking about this thing, and and just look at if we had to really break our money down to figure out what's going on. I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing. Cable bill, right? I didn't realize that the cable bill is freaking three hundred dollars. Oh, I don't know what
1: kind of cable you got. Woof. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: that's cable and internet. <laughs> I'm just no, I, and I didn't realize. I was like, and then you know, I talked to my wife. I said, what the what? What's going on? It, keeps, it just keeps going up it keeps going up and people yeah. don't realize that the cable really cost that much okay so now it's time to go to fire stick or something else right and that's under 100 bucks so you cannot they you can simply knock off $200 of expenses but let's I guess a cable bill
1: I want to start all the way back from the beginning when when Daniel said he didn't like the word budget because he came up poor and uh and it was you know they didn't have a lot of money i i raised two kids on $40,000 a year Right. So I, I did budget. I I, I had it. And the way I did it was this. I knew exactly how much my pay was going to be every two weeks. My son today will tell you, they still, they laugh at me now because it was like, we go to the grocery store on the 15th and on the 30th, because that's when I got paid. Right. So they knew exactly right. when we were going to get groceries and it better last those two weeks or you're just going to be hungry. But I, I did budget. I knew exactly how much that money was going to be and i would write down all the things that i owed that i was going to pay out of that check and all the things i was going to pay out of the other check and and i had just enough money i was that was when you know you have just enough money that you can't get on any services cuz you make like 2 dollars too much to get on any services but you don't have enough money to actually live you know i was right there on that i couldn't get any services but i made too much so i had to literally this is how much money I'm going to spend, and it required. I think you said something, Emmerich, It required discipline. I, I, it required discipline, and it required first of all. I, I think it was a skill set to be able to even get all of the things that we needed into that, into that check, into that one or two checks, and to fit all of these things. And uh, and until you're no longer having to live like that. But but that's I think what the nature of the conversation is for a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck and I can't do this until I get another check and this, you know, how do you have the discipline of identifying the things that you do need and the things that you don't need until your lifestyle changes or until something changes where you're making more income?
2: Well, I, th- I think part of that right now is just the way that just we're inundated and oversaturated with information, images and ideas of the way things really sh- are supposed to be. And what I mean when I say that is uh, when when you're on the internet and you're looking at all of these fancy things, you look at the way other people are living. I made a post on this today. One of the challenges with buzz- budgeting today and the, the group coming along today, and, and even some of us, we judge our insides by other people's outsides. So we're looking at everything that's outside of us, and we're attempting to get those things. And it's really like that 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 uh, that thing on your mirror. Objects in this mirror may appear closer than they actually are, and it's a distorted perception of reality. And I, I believe that we just have to really get back to basics. Is and the whole conversation is about what's required and what's not required. And uh, it's going to take a lot. Of, it's going to take a lot of energy from some folks to get off a of name brand. Because when you're in a budget, name brand is not that's that's not your those aren't your items to be purchased for the most part, because that's extra money that you could be using for something else that you're spending on a name brand.
0: Well, I think yesterday I, I we, we did our first Wealth Club class for our agents in our market center um, of 2024. And where do you start? And you start with what we call a burn rate. And so I'll share the spreadsheet that we use inside of my household, inside of my business, and inside of our market center, and understanding what are our expenditures every month. Julia, you were saying, what I heard you say is you were already spending the money you hadn't even made yet. Right. Because you, you were projecting the entire month. I knew exactly but, what
1: I, I had. an electric bill. I'm not going to be able to pay it this time. It's going to have yep. to be paid next time. Yep. yep.
0: <laughs> but you knew your numbers. You yeah. knew oh, yeah. what your expenditures was. And that's what the burn rate um the burn rate spreadsheet does for you is really identify all the things that uh, show up on credit, all of the things that we absolutely have to pay every single month. We're not talking about going to a night out with somebody or going to the bar or things like that. But what are the things that are scheduled to have due dates and have balances? And what does that actually cost every month? And doing that burn rate every single month gets you an idea to understand what does your overhead actually look like? And then are we going to even have any disposable income after that? I hate budgeting because I think the way out is like, go make more money. Well, how do I do that? I don't know. Sell tamales,
1: yeah. wash no, cars, and, and like you know I don't know. To, to your point, uh, uh, Daniel, it it and we've talked about this before on the podcast as well. Uh, a mindset change and shifting your mindset. Because now if I were to do the same thing or be in the same scenario, I would say, okay, everything I desire to live and the way I want to live, it costs this much money. What do I need to do to make X amount of more dollars? I would never think I don't have enough money to do it. Let me reduce my, I I would think how much does it cost? What do I need to do to do it? And I would figure out a way to make more money. That's a different way of thinking. I didn't, I didn't think like that before. Well,
2: Julia, a mind expanded will never contract back to the same size. So, you know, and that's the beautiful part about being exposed to information. And that's what's so great about us here is that we're here to expose uh, our listeners to a different thought process, more ideas, and hopefully they'll go out and they'll they they'll take a look at these ideas and they'll go out and they'll seek the additional information because they've already been exposed to it, the genius out of the bottle. And just like you said, the whole thing about budget, budgeting is real. I don't like budgeting either. Let me make that clear. Uh, I didn't come from a place of budgeting. It's just that you knew how much money you had and you knew how much money you didn't have. So, you know, you didn't have, you may not have had Kellogg's cornflakes, You might have had, uh, series toasted flakes or something you here. You yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, no yeah. Fruit- <laughs> you <had fruity-o's. laughs>
1: But Daniel, you said step one was to identify what what are you spending? What is your burn rate? How much money does all the things you have to pay for in your month or your life, how much does that cost? That's the first step.
0: That's the first step. You have to then identify. What did you say what's step two. So step two two is a balance sheet. I'm going to talk about the balance sheet in a second. But our our listeners need to understand that once you get clarity around what you spend every month, most likely your income is going to raise in the future or your revenue is going to raise in the future. And what I see happen so many times, especially in our industry with real estate agents, is their income grows significantly and so does their expenses. So they're really in the same boat. And so by you identifying what that burn rate is, as your income increase, increases, you still need to be living like you weren't making that kind of money. That's when you start having this massive delta between what does it cost for me to live, what am I actually making, and then what do I have now that I can go deploy to create cash flow or buy, a- buy hard assets or pay off debt or things like that. So it's very, very, very important.
1: So, but going back to even what Emmerich said, he he said the first step is knowing your burn rate, and there are some things in there that you could potentially reduce so that you have money to save and maybe pay off whatever debt you might have, and uh, even even just I I uh, stopped getting my nails done. Um, don't look at them. Let me put my hands down. I stopped <laughs> I stopped getting my nails done, and I didn't realize how expensive that was, and I, and the, what made me like what was a a real eye awakening experience. I was sitting next to a young lady at the nail shop. She clearly did not have enough money to be getting her nails done, but she wanted a certain look and she wanted it to be like this. And she was trying to nickel and dime them on every little thing. They like, you know, if you have the pink thing, well, that's five more dollars, you know? And she's like, okay. And there, you know, she's, she's literally sitting here, clearly does not have enough money for this hundred and something dollar nails she was getting. Right. And, and I started to pay for it for her. And then I said, I will not. I will not. Because you know what? And it goes back even to immigrant. You're saying as as all those things were not on social media, like when I was raising kids like they are now, she really was clearly feeling like she needed those nails to feel good about herself. When you know good and well, you can't afford them. And I'm not even going to get on the tangent of hair, the amount of money that people spend on hair. Right. But there's a lot of money that we expend on things that- we can't entirely afford in a, in a, in an effort to make ourselves feel good or keep up with whatever we're trying to keep up with. And, uh, and I, I just stopped getting my nails done because really, cause my nails were unhealthy, but I don't think I'll go back to doing it. When I got the little manicure and they were like $20, so I was like $20. Oh, I like this. This is what I'm doing now. But, did you get, you know, a, but did it, you
0: get a color on your nail? Did they paint them at all or?
1: Nothing. Nothing. Oh, not for
2: Not for twenty dollars. Even a color. They look. They dip your fingers in a little solution. <laughs> take them out. Wipe them off. You see, <laughs> okay. See, they, they them <laughs> I'm okay
1: with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. But but anyways, it's a lot of money. There are things that we could be doing, and I, I realized very quickly that actually saved me over two hundred dollars a month not getting my nails done.
0: Crazy. Wow. Well, how do you do that, though? So what you guys need to do is go pull your either your credit card statements or your bank account statements for the previous 30 days. And you go through line by line and see what came out of the bank account or what was charged on the credit card and put that onto the sheet.
2: You, You know what, Daniel? I'm glad you said that because that is the trickery, right? I believe that debit cards and credit cards are the trickery in this whole budget thing. If you had someone actually go back, to, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm this is just my theory because it works for me. If you have somebody go back to using cash, then when they spend money, it will have a profound impact on how much they're spending on whatever. When you're using that card, you don't even understand what you're spending most of the time because there's no physical exchange. All you're doing is signing a piece of paper and everything gets taken care of. You don't get the full impact of understanding that you just took $150 and you bought this item and it was a physical exchange. When you're in that place with the credit card or debit card, it's it's so easy to overspend.
0: I agree with you and disagree with you. I agree with that, that it, that it is, that it's easier to overspend. It may be easier to overspend with the card. When I have a $100 bill in my hand, I'm just, I don't want change and I don't want single dollars. So for me, it's like, I, I want to get rid of that. So I don't have to hold the change and, and hold on, hold on. And I, li- and I lose things. What happens if you have all your cash in your pocket and you lose it and, and you just, you set it down or something happens that, that terrifies me. I think it's easier I, to get- You know what?
1: I, I agree with Daniel. I used to have the cash concept too, but the problem for me was that I actually do lose money. I, I, I don't wear real jewelry. I lose it, you know? I don't. I lose those kind of things. So I agree with you. It's it's
2: that's because uh, y'all have too much money to lose. That's why. No, I'm talking <laughs> about when I did not have any money to lose. Look, when I put that twenty dollars in my pocket and I break that twenty dollar bill, I know I have twelve dollars in my pocket, and I and I, it's a physical number. It's a physical grasp, and I'm less likely to do some things rather than I'm just putting on the card. That's why, and I, I believe that the financial institutions they get us like that because we just swipe it, just swipe it and I go. I understand just the inevitability, yeah. But, well, but Daniel, I, you, let me know ask me, me, this.
0: you know how well, many times? I've, you know how many times I've gone to the bar with a pocket full of cash and woke up the next morning with no cash in my pocket? See, that, Daniel, plenty of times. You buying that VSO because he buying VSO? Know, that's a good. That's a good question. He, someone took it. I lost it, or I tipped. The, I tipped the bartender really well. I don't know. That's my point.
2: He's buying that VSOP, Julia. He's, there, look, he's, he's buying that Louis but XXL. We're,
1: we're no. joking. We're joking. But the reality is, is that we do need to take a hard look at what we're spending money on and identify yes. what's necessary. And where could we potentially reduce some expenses um, when we're not in a position to just make more money? Right. Correct. Well, there's, there's two business.
0: things you can do with your, with your credit cards or your debit cards. You can also lock them. And so we do this constantly inside of our business. Every probably like every six months, we cancel every credit card and have them resend the credit card to us. So anything that's on automatic renewal won't renew and they have and to call me to yes, make the will. decision.
1: Yes, it will. They they have a way now where they sign up with the bank that even if you canceled that card, it will still auto-renew through the bank. I don't know how they do it, but I called because debit, I tried that. Debit
0: and credit's different though. Credit card, oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Or debit card, yes.
1: Okay. Okay. So tell me what's the difference because I thought I was being slick and I did that and I was like, huh, I got all of you. I canceled that card and all that stuff still came out of my account. And I was like, now wait a damn minute. I called the bank and they said they have a way that they still can pull that. So tell me the difference so other people can play this trick.
0: <laughs> so with all of our credit cards, at least, at least two times a year, sometimes three, we'll cancel the credit cards, order new ones, and then start everything over again. Nothing rebuilds nothing rebuilds for us. They got to call us. We've got to, it creates more awareness around, do we really need this expense? Is it really make sense or should we just cancel it? And the other thing that we do is we lock our cards. So every once in a while, or if we've spent too much or, um, whatever the scenario is inside of our world, you have the ability to go online on your credit cards and go to lock my card, which means no, you can't swipe it. It will not go through, which then can put yourself on that discipline that we were talking about on, if I'm not comfortable enough, I'm gonna go spend it. Then let me just lock it and make sure that I cannot do it, or freeze them. That's a, I, I've done that once in my life. I'll never do it again. But
2: what, you but mean ba-
0: put in put in a, a plastic bag and yeah. freeze them? All yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And freeze it right in the middle where you can't get to it. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I, and and that's the thing. I I, think, I believe that that whole idea of the whole credit whole card thing because I lock mine. I do the same thing i turn my cards over every year so at the end of the year i have to resubscribe to everything so i get that one, Daniel. what happens like when we talk about budgeted and since we got into this whole credit and debit card thing when there are people who get those automatic uh not the 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 pre-approved cards Mm -hmm. and they send these pre-approved cards what should you do when you get a pre-approved card
0: it's one of the best ways to build credit. It's one of the things that I did early on when I was a young kid is get a credit card. It's a secured credit card. So you're putting up a certain amount of cash and you're getting the credit limit of the amount of cash that you put up to be able to start building credit and be able to use that credit card or that, that rush card, debit card, whatever that thing is, to allow you to report back to the credit, report, credit agencies to build the credit score and also put yourself on somewhat of a bad word budget.
2: No, I'm talking about the grown folks' way. Since you've been you've been around 30 35 years and they send you that pre-approved credit card for $5,000, $6,000. What do you do with those? Because guess what? They come as a, a, they come all the time.
0: You got to have a real conversation with your with yourself and look at yourself in the mirror and see how disciplined you can be. What I do with them is I always not always, but a lot of times I will go get those lines of credit because when you're thinking about credit score growth, what they look at with your credit with your credit cards is your debt to credit ratio. So if you have a $3,000 worth of credit cards, and then you just get this credit card that has a $5,000 potential limit, that means now, even if those three cards at $3,000 are maxed out, and you get that $5,000 card now, now you have $8,000 available credit, and you've only spent three. So you you, you went from maxing out all of your, your debt to credit ratios to now having having room in there that can help build your score. But you've got to be disciplined. You can't go get that $5,000 credit card and then look at it like it's not your money and go start swiping it. And then now you have $8,000 of debt.
1: Part of that is, I I think, you know, we're kind of all over the place with this conversation, but I I think we should really address the reason why we're having this. Three quarters of, well, let me just, let me just, I'm reading a stat here. Of course, you know, I like stats. Three quarters of black and white families have debt, right? But the median debt to ashore uh, debt to asset ratio is fifty percent higher among black than white families with black borrowers less likely to repay the loans um and and so even when you're talking about getting credit cards, you know the co- first part of our conversation was really about just paying attention to what you actually need and don't don't get more than you need so that you can budget your money. The second part is okay, you get a credit card, but also don't go building a bunch of debt uh, because. Yeah especially when you're not necessarily in a position to be able to pay it off, and especially when that debt-to-income or the debt-to-asset as- ratio is going to negatively impact your ability to acquire real estate, which is ultimately how we believe you build, re- build wealth, right?
2: But, Julia, we're assuming that in, a, in that in that conversation, we're assuming that the person who you're talking to understands credit and debt. That's our assumption, Daniel, because we're talking about how to build credit and not doing this. Mm -hmm. The the root of what we have to have the conversation is don't judge your insides by other people's outsides. Just because everybody else has something, that don't mean we have to go get it. And I'm just being transparent. And when we talk about that 50% ratio between white and black families, a lot of times, um, just by the fact that we as black people are typically visual, then... We a lot of times spend our money on visual, quote unquote. I'm going to call it assets. They're not really assets. We believe them to be assets, and they're not really assets. And we spend a lot of our money on things that are visual that don't really matter. And quite frankly, it puts us in a difficult situation. So in that conversation about debt and budgeting, we still have to. We really have to come back. Of, is that something that you require or something that you want? Which category does it fall in? And I believe that's our first conversation when we start talking about budgeting, what's required, right? And what is it that you want? You have to divide your budget up into those two sections. What's required and what do you want?
1: And by the way, I just feel like I need to to say... Emrick doesn't like the word need so he uses the word require because I could see that maybe confusing some people because require means something different for uh, other people emrick doesn't use the word need. Uh, so I, I would say what do you need versus what do you want and because you don't use the word need you're you're replacing that with the word require I just need to clear that up for people who may be confused by the word choice.
2: (laughs) Since you said it, and the reason why I don't use the word need is because the universe gives us everything that we need. Everything is already here. We just have to figure out how to access it. So you don't need anything. You require it. You don't need it. Since you require it, you have to figure out how to access it. But anyway, need versus wants. We just have to separate. We have to put our hands up in the air when we look at our budget. Okay, do I need this or do I want this? And in that space when you're, you when you're doing your budget if it falls in the need category then you absolutely have to incorporate it into your life. If you want it, if there's enough money left, if there's enough money after you do everything you need, now you can consider what you want. And that's a, that's what that's what happens to a lot of us in this whole budget idea is that we put too many things into the wrong category, and they're not required.
1: And and then uh, to Daniel's point, use a credit card to go and get the things that we want. And now we are in a situation where we've got a substantial amount of debt. And now the conversation becomes, how do I reduce this debt that I've created? Uh, and, and 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 you know, I used to say if I can't pay cash, I don't need it. Um, but there's some things that we do need, still, still, still a house, for example, I can't you know pay cash for, but. When we have gotten to the place, Daniel, where we're like, okay, I got a credit card. I didn't do what you said. I did max it out. Now I have all this debt. Um, How do we start paying that down? Or when do we start, especially if our income is still limited?
0: They got you. You're stuck. There are no options. You have to create more revenue to be able to pay off the debt. Like That's there's if you get stuck in the maxing the credit cards out at the 25, 28% interest rates, making your minimum monthly payments, they got you. That's the, that's the vast majority of consumers. Let's just put it on a credit card and deal with it later. Buy now, pay later. Right. So the second step to this is really looking at something called a balance sheet and understanding the burn rate is what is my what is my minimum monthly payments on all of my debt? My balance sheet is what are all of the balances on all of those credit cards, debts, assets. Balance sheet is assets minus liabilities equals a net worth. When I started this journey eight years ago, my net worth was in the negative and it hurt and it was not fun. But that lit a fire inside of me to say I'm never going to be here again. So it doesn't matter how much money I make in a year. There's My my first two years of making money in real estate was literally all digging myself out of the hole that I created with the bad car loans and the credit cards and the student loans and the personal loans and all the other nonsense that got me to dig this hole. And then I had to have the wherewithal that this is none of this works if you're not going to have an honest conversation with yourself. If you're not going to look at yourself in the mirror and say, do I really need this right now or can I can I wait? You're not really going to look at this and say, do I really how do I get myself out of this? And you just keep spending and you don't have awareness. That's the cycle that a lot of these creditors want to get us in because then you can't get out. And now you're paying these obnoxious high interest rates, late fees when you don't pay it on time because it's not on auto pay because we're not paying attention. Then we get that. Then the interest rate goes up higher. Plus we have late fees and we just get into this cycle of just destruction. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: Now I want to add that the the number one debt source that actually has been the biggest barrier to building wealth for Black families and for Black people in general uh, happens to be student loan debt. Yeah, and so maybe it wasn't that I was trying to be, you know, trying to buy the hair and the nails and the, or I needed the car or I needed, I felt like I need. Maybe it was none of that. Maybe it was I. I was told I need an education, and I didn't have cash to pay for it. Obviously, so I acquired. Some pretty substantial student loans, which I also want to throw in a plug for our next episode, which happens to be about student loan debt. And is that or is that not helping us build wealth? And we have our guest, Dr. Ch- uh, Melissa Chester, who is a professor at HBCU, who will be speaking with us about that. But we can't really have a conversation about building substantial wealth without talking about student. Lo- I mean, I'm sorry, we can't have a conversation about debt without talking about student loan debt, which happens to be what's bringing most of us down.
2: Since you said that, I I look at that and I've, I've been through that cycle secondhand. Let me put it that way, because the first hand didn't work out. And, I, and I'm being transparent. I told my daughter, if you go to this school, I am not paying for you to go to this school. I'm going to pay for you to go to this school. If you go to, to this school, I have my limit of what I'm willing to pay. I said, if you go to that school, you're going to have to get a student loan and pay it back yourself. Because I'm not doing it. Knowing very well that what was really going <laughs> really to happen at the end of the day. Did she, did she call you bluff? No, yeah, she did. No, she did. She went to that, <laughs> she went to that school and, and I paid the bill. Right. <laughs> I ended up paying the bill. However, when I saw what the bill was, right, and I said, how does an, and, and I'm I'm just saying this way, how does an ordinary person get from under this kind of debt? Yeah. How does an ordinary person? And, and guess what, Emrick, what,
1: They don't. They don't. Yeah,
2: that's crazy. And the unfortunate part about it is it, co- it goes both ways. It's, it is the debt and it's not the debt. The debt is already there. Sometimes it's the other things that people add on to the debt that makes the debt so much worse because whatever bill is the largest gets the blame.
0: Well, th- when you think about student loans, though, there's also, I have, I got a lot of student loans when I was in college. None of it has prepared me to be in real estate or finance or anything, but I got a lot of, but it allowed me to live comfortably when I was going to school and still working and I'm still paying off the debt. But we've got to use our resources. And I had like $70,000 in student loan debt, but before I started making money, I was on income based repayment plans. And if you're going to put me on an income-based repayment plan on even if it's $150,000 in student loans, I think the difference is when you go to private loans versus the um, government loans that they give you in school, that's when things get a little bit different. Because when you're talking about subsidized and unsubsidized loans, they're not great. But if you're going to put me on a payment that's a small fraction of what I make every month, and then I'm going to take the next 70 years to pay it off, that's not like a credit card. A credit card will go destroy your world and when we think of there's good debt and bad debt, the bad debt is the card, credit cards, the car loans, the high interest stuff that'll keep drowning you throughout your life. The good debt is the mortgages um, on houses, the mortgages on investment properties, things that will continue to build you as well. And so I think there's use the resource. There's forbearance that can we didn't have to pay student loans for like three or four years once we graduated. Then we had income based repayment. repayment. While we were making a little bit of money before we got into real estate, so these things utilize your resources and utilize the tools that you have. Don't just get into oh, they told me my payment's seven hundred dollars a month. Let me just start stroking that check. Talk to people, ask them for what resources and what options you have.
2: Whether well, we get in, I think we get into next week's
0: session. Yeah, second. but but I,
1: but the same concept applies to also not just paying the minimum balances due on on the credit cards because you'll be paying that forever.
2: You know? so I think they they it comes out to be like thirty years or something crazy like that. Like they, it, that's almost they amateurize them like they do a mortgage. If you pay us every month ten dollars a month, it'll take you thirty dollars, years to pay off this five hundred dollar loan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So,
1: in a nutshell, if we wanted to summarize, let's let's go back to the beginning. We don't like to use the word budget, but the reality is, is a let's say I do not have. Uh, an exponential amount of money, I have to really focus on what I require, in Uncle Emmerich's words, what do I need uh, versus what do I want? How do I reduce some of the things that maybe I don't need? What I want to make sure we understand is how do I do that? How do I, one, reduce my things that I need so that I I actually am budgeting or whatever word we want on a spending plan? And then two, if I do have debt because I have not been able to successfully do that, how do I reduce the debt? And like, I'd love to hear from both of you in in 60 seconds, Emrick, how do I solve both of these problems? I need to create a spending plan. I need to pay down some of my debt. How do I do that?
2: I'm not sure who came up with this, but I, you take your spending plan and then you take a look at all of your bills. And if you have credit cards, because I've been in that situation before too, and I targeted, what I did was I targeted one credit card. If I only had 10 extra dollars, I put $10 on that one credit card and then I focused on paying that credit card off. And then once I paid that credit card off, I took the money that I was spending on that one credit card and I moved it to the next credit card to focus on that one until I got rid of my debt. So the whole idea is that you may have three credit cards. I believe that you probably have to focus on one that you're going to pay off. Still pay the other ones. Let me make that clear. However, focus on one that you're going to put extra money towards to accelerate the payoff. It's just like a mortgage. You pay it towards the principal balance, pay that card off, and then take all of that money that you use, the the payment that you use for that one credit card you paid off and roll it to the next one and pay that one off and then take both of those payments that you were paying on those two and then roll it to the next one and get rid of your credit debt.
1: I like that. What do you think, Daniel? What would you say? How do I... Create a spending plan and stick to it, and also pay down some debt so that I'm, I'm not in this number of, of having this wild debt that's gonna prevent me from building well.
0: Yeah, so the first thing is we've gotta pull all of our statements or our receipts, if you're using cash like Uncle Emmerich, and see what are we spending every single month to understand what that looks like. Then we gotta look at a balance sheet and say, okay, how much are the balances on all the debt that I have? And it's not pretty and it's not fun when you start this out 100%, but it creates awareness that can create the change. and At the end of the day, this this whole thing that we're doing, we're trying to educate people around wealth. And the only way to generate wealth is by creating more revenue. Whether it's a side hustle, whether it's a career change, whether it's something else, you have to create more revenue to get out of the hole. Because Emrick, yes, you can take the extra $10, but if that's a $2,000 credit card, you're going to be living the same way for the next 20 years. So you have to figure out another way, whether it's your tax return, whether it's taking a student loan out to pay off your credit card debt because you're on fixed long-term payments to get yourself out of that debt. I like there, that. There's, I like there, that. there's creative ways to be able to do it, but you have to get the credit cards to zero. Credit cards will completely destroy everything coming to wealth in your financial future if you have credit card debt.
1: And the last thing that I, I, what I would add to that is that uh, when you are evaluating your burn rate, like you say, you, you probably can get by with less than you think. Uh, you don't require all the things you think you require, and and specifically, no, Emrick, you can't talk. It's my turn. No, I was just, I was just talking about cable bill, cable bill, cable bill, cable bill. Okay, cable, cable bill. <laughs> but but you were really but wait, let me. I had to finish my thought because the the point is, and going back to me saying I raised two kids on forty thousand uh, dollars, I never bought my kids Jordans. I never bought any of of those types of things. Uh, And my kids also never knew that we didn't have a lot of money. When my son was uh, 20 years old, he passed when he was 20 years old. But when we were in the hospital, the thing that I hold on to that I'm very proud of, I said to him, I said, Eric, remember when we didn't have no money and we used to only be able to go to the grocery store on the 15th and on the 30th? And and he said, I don't remember that, Mom. As far as I know, we were always good. Your kids don't remember that like they you probably require less than you think you know and so really evaluate how much money you need to spend and do they need the name brand and do you need the name brand and do you need the $300 hair and do you need the you know really evaluate what you require and uh it's probably less than you think that where you can save some money to start paying off some debt to start building some wealth
2: yeah i think that was a great great closing you are so good julia that's why we keep you
1: Thanks. You know what? Thanks for keeping me around. I appreciate that. I want to also thank our listening audience for tuning in week after week. Our audience is growing, and I I trust that we are, in fact, helping people earn more, learn more, and build wealth. And with that, I think we'll wrap up, and we'll see you next time for the conversation about student loan debt.
2: There we go.
0: Cheers.
1: Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this
0: transformative listening experience. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates, and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information.